No, 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 Reject. Hey, what up though? It's your girl Constance. It's me again. I missed you so freaking much. How's your summer going? Welcome to another <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Fucking Rejects. Coming live from Brooklyn, New York. It's summertime. It's like literally 92 degrees outside. Partly cloudy, humid as fuck. And yeah, welcome back. Uh, how was your summer? I took an actual summer, so I missed you. I basically started this thing off like, oh, yeah, I want to do this thing for a while, you know, doo-dee-doo, and then started it, and it just went on really fast, and I've had some really amazing uh, interviews and people that have come on here. I've had some super feedback. This girl ran into me on the street saying she likes my podcast, and I never met her, and thank you, girl. Uh, I forgot your name, but we were in Brooklyn. You were dope as fuck. So thanks for uh, coming back. And I got some really exciting interviews coming up very soon. So thank you for coming back. Um, it's been a really cool summer. What'd you do? Did you have like an actual summer? I've never really had a summer off. I bartended for like literally 15, 16, 17 years. And so I've never, this is like the first year, I guess it's been two years since I've actually had like weekends and things like that. Like, I never knew what a weekend was because I worked all of them. I worked from Thursday to Sunday, you know? And um, so the same with summertime. You just work straight through that motherfucker. And you're probably at work right now, my bad. This is not a brag. It's a white brag. But no, um, so I took the summer off. I was traveling a lot, did a bunch of shit, went a bunch of places, been in New York like crazy. I actually went to the beach a few times out at Fort uh, whatever. I'm not going to say the name of, but you guys know where it is. Uh, showed my titties out there, drank a couple nutcrackers, and smoked a little bit of, uh, you know, Mary Jane, or as the kids like to call it, flowers. All right. So anyway, so how was your summer? What did you do in the summer? I usually like to travel, I guess when I can, period, but in the summer times, I usually lay pretty low in New York. I mean, there's some really dope stuff going on. Here, it's so fucking cold in the winter that once the summer comes around, it's like, 
everybody is like balls to the wall. So it's been it's been cool. I basically have been going to the beach. Actually, I've been working a ton. I took a social media break, like a real ass break. Like I don't think I I think I got off of Instagram like a month ago. And I'll go back up there and um, whatever, like, you give a fuck. It's been pretty funny, though, because then people actually, my friends will be like, where are you? And I'm like, oh, you know, because normally on social media, like, you're, people see where you are. Even if you post it later, they're like, oh, she was in whatever. I was in da-da-da. So it's been a really old school-ass summer for me. I mean, yeah, there's still text messages and Netflix or whatever. Uh, and uh, not chilling, but... Other than that, it's been like really cool. I feel like it's 1995. You know, unplug, rebel, talk to somebody. Like it's 95. Fuck it, buy a pager. 304-58008. You remember that stuff? So it was great to have a social media break. I'm about to be right back on that bitch though. I was flooding y'all with just cat memes and bullshit. So don't worry. And what else did I do this summer? Uh, I got fucking married. And divorced. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, I had a baby. I put her up for adoption. <sighs> I'm sorry. That's really fucked up. Uh, my brother, Hollis, yeah, graduated from high school in Atlanta this summer. So I was actually just down there with Kendra, my sister Nicole, my dad, uh, Kim. My, she's my stepmom, but she, I've known her for like ever. She's like my other mom. And we were down there. Kira wasn't there because her ass, we were joking the whole time. Like, if Kira was here, she wouldn't actually be here. We'd all be like, where is Kira? So, uh, but Brooklyn would be her representative and that'd be okay. But she was, able, she was all like making moves and shit in Detroit. So we went and held it down. Me and Kendra met up and, and then in Atlanta, drove to like North Country, wherever where my dad lives and we hung out there with them. It was, it was really cool. It was really actually, it was cool. Atlanta, how do y'all cope? Oh my God, like... I'm used to a lot of traffic, but fuck, man. Because it was like traffic that was, it was like traffic, but you're on a highway, so it's all trees, you know? Like in traffic in New York, I'm used to it. I'll pop a podcast on or something or I'm listening to some, you know, Diller, whatever, whatnot, what have you, pull over, get an iced coffee and like sit in traffic, people watching. I'm in Atlanta with Kendra like, what the fuck? This shit is it's literally trees. It, like, it's, yeah, it's really beautiful, but I, can, I can't even, I can't even imagine, like, every day just being in that bitch on trees. Also, what are y'all driving rules? So you don't have to stop at a red light if you're making a right turn. Also, it was like people driving in the shoulder on the highway, but that was a lane, I guess. So shout out to y'all for being cowboys out here still. And um, yeah, Atlanta was cool though. We were riding back to, me and Kendra were riding back to our, um, actually, we, threw a, we went through a whole lot of bullshit trying to get a place. So I basically, me and Kendra will meet up someplace a lot of times, all the time. And like we did in LA and bullshit in Michigan a few times. So we met up and we'll get an Airbnb and like chill and basically like talk about how we should get ready to go out and then never go out or get ready at 1 a.m., leave, and then get there when they're closing. So like, like, and slam a martini or whatever. So we did kind of that. So we met up in Atlanta. I'm like, all right, bet. I got the place. Like, I got this Airbnb. I don't even know how to look at Airbnbs, like how to compare them or any of the areas. I don't know where I should stay, anything. All I know is like Bankhead or something. So we go to the uh, Airbnb, can't get in. It's like some Russian company, literally. 
we were there for like an hour, which I can't believe we stayed now that I'm saying that out loud. And then we ended up like, okay, I'm like, let's jump on Priceline, not sponsor, and then, you know, get this like last minute deal. So we got the, the last minute deal. It was cool. Then the next day we were coming back to the hotel after being, after the graduation, hanging out with my dad and my brother and my sister and my other mom and all their loud ass dogs. We uh, were riding back and it was probably like 2 a.m. We were literally talking about like, ghost stories and like murderers, <laughs> like forensic files and all this shit and all this crazy stuff that we heard. And then no lie, it's like 2 a.m. We pull up to a red light and there's a guy standing in the middle of the street across from us. And he's like standing there, kind of like waving. I'm like, is he waving? Cause it's dark, there's nobody out. It's just like a street light. Looking at him, this dude has a full giant rifle and he's like holding it, you know, like a sword. So we turn the corner like, oh shit, take off. Like, I'm like, oh, he's trying to like die tonight. Atlanta, wild as, like what? It's 2019, y'all still wild like that? Get back to the hotel room. So we creeped out already. Um, I don't wear glasses, Kendra does. I can't see shit at night anymore. So she saw the gun really clear. So this should be her story. But I have her voice, so this is what she would sound like. And then we get to the hotel room, walk it, walk, you know. Now, first of all, we have room 420, my dumb ass. I could have asked for a different room, but I was like, oh, cool, Fortnite is 420. <laughs> the door is wide open, like wide open, uh, dark in there, probably like six inches open. So we're like, walk, we're walking, you know, after talking about murders and seeing this dude with a gun, walk into the room, and we see this shit's open, so we like, <laughs> tip, tip, toe backwards, not saying anything. Go downstairs. We're like, yo, our door is open. And now I'm like freaking out. Like, I got my audio equipment with me. I have like my, com my computer with me. It's all in there. I usually bring that stuff with me, but I'm like, you know, it's a hotel room. Like, that's the one thing that they do is they close the door and lock the things up. So we go downstairs. They, we're like, can you get security in this boy? So they send like this, just the, I was gonna say scraggly, but I'm, that's so judgmental of me. He wasn't scraggly. He was just like an old, wiry dude, like old dude, you know, with a flashlight. So he was like our, our knight, walks us back upstairs. He goes in there, he's like checking it out. I'm thinking it's gonna be a, I'm like about to be a forensics file right here. And then he comes out, nothing, you know, and it's okay. It's like anticlimactic, he doop doop doops off. So we go up in there, we're like checking under the beds and then, you know, of course we put on forensic files after to, you know, solidify the being terrified. And it was fine, nothing was gone, we got reimbursed, whatever, you know. It sucked though, that shit was really scary. So be careful in hotels. I don't even know, I was like, dude, like the only thing you're supposed to do is, is lock, like the door is supposed to lock. That's the only thing that happens with the hotel, you the door locked. Anyway. Oh, and then the manager got the nerve to ask me, did we leave it up? I'm like, dude, shut up. So Atlanta was cool. So I'm down there like, all right, I got, I'm there for like four or five days. I didn't, you know, I didn't know how long I was going to stay. But I was like, ooh, girl, girl, you are real stressed out right now. Like, um, take a break, you know? And so I'm like, if you know me, I've traveled to probably eight, well, not probably, I've traveled to about to 18 countries. Yeah, fucking 18 countries. Since I was in 14, I guess, but really in my 20s when I was bartending, that's why I did it, so I could save the money and go blow it on bullshit and parties overseas and 
boys, whatever. I used to travel with myself all the time, go and make artwork, do murals, do street art. I was staying in Cologne for a, for a while, off and on, like up in Europe, out in Vietnam, just like doing stuff. But uh, I was in India by myself. That was crazy. So I haven't taken a solo trip in a long time because, uh, you know, how it is when you're when you have a couple dumb. You know how it is, like you get older, you have to compromise with other folk. And so I wasn't traveling by myself for the last few years. Um, I guess it's been seven years or whatever. So I'm like, I'm coming out, coming, because I need to get, I need to like, what do I want to eat? Like, what do I want to eat? You know, like, have you traveled by yourself? It's my favorite thing to do. I love traveling with people, sure. Yeah, Kendra, you're a fucking riot. But I also love when I can go to a place and learn about myself. So I was like, I don't want to stay in Atlanta for the whole time. Let me check out some other places I can go. And I was like, LA, no. Because, you know, I've been there. Plus, I would have had two days there, which is like, boo. So I'm in Atlanta. I go on my little app. I find my flights on. And then I find a fucking flight to Miami for like $70. I look. Now, I'm not like fancy. I'm more of like a, <laughs> like if I'm in LA, I like Venice. I like to be with like the weirdos. And uh, my feet are a little dirty. You know, I like the, gr the grimy stuff and like the fun people, the skaters, the drinkers, the fucking angry hippies. I really love when you travel to some place by yourself that you don't know. Like, it's, you get to figure out, like, your own thing. Like, what do I want to do? What time do I want to get up? What do I want to fucking eat? Where do I want to go? What do I, what do I want to see? Do I want to nap? Do I have to do this thing? I just want to wear this. Like, who are you? Stop talking to me. Bye. Um, and then make it art. Like, I feel like I'm in my more, most creative space if I'm kind of like in an unfamiliar setting because it forces me to look within and then learn things about myself without worrying about anything because you're just figuring your shit out. So anyway, long-winded as fuck. Welcome back. Um, I didn't go to Miami, so I found a... F I, also, I really didn't go because it was about to rain in that bitch too, so... Um, I found a flight to Cancun, but I'm like, no, I can't go to Cancun for two days. That's crazy. Uh, you know, ecstasy. And so I found a flight for $75 to motherfucking Nolan's. Nola, that shit was wild. So I bought the flight, you know, ended up going to New Orleans. It was amazing. It was really crazy. I don't know if you've been there. You've probably been there if you're listening to this. Let me know what you thought. You know, you can shoot me an email, constancepatton at gmail.com, or shoot me a DM or whatever. Uh, it, was, it was crazy. New Orleans was very crazy. <laughs> you know, I'll go check in or whatever. I guess I got there like a lot. No, I was like, it was about once, because I definitely went out at 1.30, and it was crazy. Like, it was, it was so hot, 90% humidity, 90 degrees, just sticky hot, and it was late. So I didn't know where to stay. If you go there, do not stay on Bourbon Street. That shit smells like straight vomit and like old pizza. And there's just like gangs of people like huddled up screaming at each other. I got hit in the head with, with some beads, <laughs> like walking by myself. I didn't show no titties or anything. Got smacked with some beads. I was like, oh, I gotta get out of here. Like this is this is where you get robbed and shit. Like. Uh, random dudes ask me for a smoke, and I'm like, I'm not even holding cigarettes. Hey, Ma, can I get a light? No. Um, had a guy ask me what I'm drinking. 
Bitch, tequila, can't you see? It's out the bottle. You can drink on the streets there. It was crazy. You can like walk, which is why Bourbon Street is such a shit show. It was literally like piles of vomit. It was like, if you're in New York City, West 4th, on steroids, a little bit of heroin or something. It was a really crazy vibe. But other than that, it was really dope. So in order to keep myself from being one of the, uh, the people throwing beads, smacking random women and vomiting, I was like, I'm going to like do something. Like, what do you do here? You know, because I, listen, I could pull up on your bar and just stay there. But then I'm like, I'll just be messy, drunk by myself. Then, you know, I'm a woman by myself. When I was younger, I probably would have just did that. I didn't really give a fuck. But now... You know, I'm like 100 years old. I got to watch my shit. Went through all that stuff. So I ended up taking uh, a tour. So the tour was cool. I've never done a tour. I live in New York, and I'm always like, look at those fucking nerds on that tour bus. Middle finger. Or I'll, I think I've thrown a middle finger up. Just making fun of tour groups, walking tours, bus tours, all of the tours. And, oh, look at this fucking house. He's like, people used to live here. I actually worked in a museum that was like that. Walk in, it was like, it's like the 1800s. Look, they had cans then, too. I did a, a tour, so I'm like looking at him like, oh, now girl. <laughs> girl. I love uh, some creepy shit, so I was like, perfect. I'm gonna do the cemetery tour. Go see, go say what up to Marilia Vaux, whatever, and um, found a tour for like 15 bucks. It met at a bar, and then it was a walking tour. So I was like, okay, that way I won't just be drunk as fuck at, at the bar for hours and days. It rained like crazy. It was like the stormiest storm storm that I ever stormed. So we went through the fucking cemetery, uh, the St. Louis Cemetery number one. And it, it, was, it was dope. So old. We got the history of like why of the, the French and the Spanish being here, why they, they were fucking dicks. They were really like colonizing, but I'm going to pass all that up, you know, because we're here. But anyway, they were talking about, like, why they had the graves above ground and da-da-da-da-da. We did the whole tour. It was great. The fact that it was raining so hard made it better because it was so hot. The moment that it stopped raining, it, it immediately went up to, like, 100 degrees, 90-degree humidity. It was fucking crazy. And so then I was like, okay, I'm going to go. Now I'm going to just go walk around. So I walked around. There was a, a Satchmo Fest. It was a jazz fest for Louis Armstrong and, the, and Frenchman Street, I guess Frenchman Street, which is... Um, I guess, like, it took me about 20 minutes to walk over there from near Bourbon Street, where I was. I was, like, near Bourbon Street. And there was a jazz fest. Like, people outside, five bucks. Someone told me my eyes look like uh, cat eyes. And he asked me if they were my real eyes. No. I have on so much black eyeliner. I was like, yeah, these are my real eyes. I ate some crawfish. Oh, God, I want some more right now. I went to... I just was, like, stopping off in spots. It was dope. And... That night, I was like, okay, I got to do something else because I'm just going to be drunk as fuck out here because I'm, like, sitting there with my gross-ass uh, hurricane or whatever they drink and then a bottle of my tequila because you could drink on the street. Dude walk up to me. We get out of my face, dude. I don't even speak English. Then he started speaking French to me. Uh, and then, so I was like, I'm going to do another tour. Why not? I'm in New Orleans. Let's do another tour. Otherwise, I'm just be drunk as fuck. So I got a tour at, uh, it was a ghost tour this time. Ooh, because, you know, New Orleans is supposed to be the most haunted place in America. Went on the ghost tour. That was pretty cool. I went back to the same bar. Uh, I think all I ate was a slice of pizza that day. It was delicious. There are like, 60 tours going on at the same time. There were 
so many freaking tours. I've never seen so many. And I was like, oh, I can appreciate this because you know how I make fun of people when they're on tours in New York and just ruin their little day? That's what motherfuckers was trying to do to us, and it was hilarious. It was like we were walking down the street with a group. You know, I'm like the only part, I'm the only black person, first of all, in this whole group. They're like, everyone's together, they're wasted. I'm just by myself wasted, like going on this spooky tour with 30, I guess there's like 30 people, 20 people. <laughs> just people were just heckling. They were heckling us. They were heckling the guy. <laughs> they were heckling uh, other people. Uh, a guy ran by and said, I'm a fucking vampire. Woo! And uh, that was pretty funny. The people I was with did not find it funny. I thought it was hilarious. It added local flavor. So I felt like such a nerd on this tour. We went on the whole thing, went to haunted everything. Everything's haunted, blah, blah, blah. Vampires, vampire nuns, zombies, all that stuff. I'm like, y'all motherfuckers are drunk people are the zombies on Bourbon Street. And pretty much went all the way until we got to some uh, something Layla Ree mansion, the Layla Ree mansion where some evil lady was like torturing all these black people. And that's when I dipped out because I was like, I don't need y'all just to be looking at me for my reaction. And then I left. Went met up my friend, Chris, Chris motherfucking Collins, who I met in New York City. He's one of my really good friends. He lives down there. He met up with me, took me to the oldest bar in New Orleans. We went to a casino, split some food. Then he was like, out of that bitch. And um, then I had the next day and went to the church. And then I went and got, I went and talked to like a healer and bought some more stuff, said some prayers, drank some more drinks, got on my flight, got back to New York City, and here I am. It was cool. So it's been a really good summer. I uh, went to Coney Island with the kid. She made me go on the scariest ride that I'll ever go on. It was my last ride ever. Don't wear a long skirt to Coney Island. Also, get a pass for the kids. It's super expensive there. I've never actually ridden anything, but other than that, it was like dope. So summer's been super good. I'm really excited for the fall. I'm excited. We have Afropunk coming up this weekend, the 24th and 25th, and we have a deal. Me and B did a deal with Supra, so we have, we're dropping new designs. I'm going to actually put them up. If you want to get one, hit me up. They're beautiful. It's uh, Ventorious B.I.G. as the king of New York. And the contact sheet, so you see the smiling biggie and all the outtakes that Baron has never, never shown, except for in the book Contact High that just came out. So that collaboration is uh, like about to drop right now. So we're going to be at Afropunk this weekend. Everyone's playing. Jill Scott, FKA Twigs, Danny Brown. Your mama's going to play everybody. It's going to be so fucking fun. Um, <clears throat> Yeah, I'm so excited. This is so long. I'm going to edit it down, I promise. So um, this week on Fucking Rejects, I got to sit down with Imani Mixon. She's a journalist and writer, artist, DJ, and host, and the host of Proper Nouns that is on a show on YouTube where she interviews dope-ass people doing dope-ass things in her apartment. She's, she's a very dope individual herself. I met her at an event, Norwest Gallery in Detroit, Michigan. So this is the fourth part of the Detroit series. I was going to do like an arbitrary... Season, so this is season two, fuck it. <laughs> and I'm opening up with the fourth installment of <clears throat> But I Love It Here, um, Wise Words by the homie Elzai, and this is Voices of Detroit. So yeah, it was really cool. I got to sit down with Imani. She's so dope, she's so inspiring. She's like a young John too, very inspiring. Um, out of Detroit, Michigan. We talked about Detroit growing up there, some of her work she's done. She's worked with uh, uh, Michigan Public Radio. She's worked with Metro Times, my bad, Metro Times. So I went and met her at uh, the Norwest Gallery where there was this 
this uh, film showing about Detroit and, and uh, Detroit techno, and it was, it was so beautiful. And I was like surrounded by all these dope ass people. I, I knew one of the people that were throwing it on ill, and, and I was like, who, is, who are these ladies? <laughs> like, I was like, had all my shit with me. I'm like dressed in like a peacock, all my stuff with me. And then I, I'm like, oh, who is she? I was like such a creep. I feel, I'm so sorry, Imani. Oh my God, girl, I'm so sorry, I'm a creep. I was like, who are these people? And she was so fucking beautiful with the Afro popping and stuff. She had a metallic blue periwinkle shirt with her, her nails painted the same color. I was like, God damn, what has happened in Detroit? I've been gone for so long. So I was like, let me meet and see what everybody's doing or whatever. So I ended up talking to her and invited her on my show. We like vibed out pretty good. And it was a, it was a really great interview. It was cool. Um, so look out for her. You can find her on Twitter, Instagram, Imani Mixon. Yeah, we had a really great interview. We talked about a lot of stuff. Um, how she ended up doing. She's work, she, has a, she works on a podcast as well. How she ended up working back with the community that she grew up in. So yeah, she, we talk about a bunch of really cool stuff. Yeah, so we met in her living room where she welcomed me in. And... Yeah, we got to talk about some art and shit. Detroit shit. What up, though? It was really fun. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, enjoy the episode featuring Imani Mixon. New episode drops next week. Thank you for listening. Please rate, review, and subscribe. Tell a friend. Tell your mom. Tell your uncle. Write it on a bathroom in Sharpie. And I love you. Let's do this shit. Here we go. Imani Mixon. No, 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 no. Woohoo, woohoo, everybody, hello. Hey, world. Hi, I'm sitting with Imani Mixon in Detroit mm -hmm. in your gorgeous apartment. Oh, that means the world. It's so pretty. That it means good. the world. Candles.com. Um, no, it's good. Yeah, it's good stuff. And we were just talking about like radio. Yeah. Um, yeah, because I'm looking for my ideal, which would just be someplace that will support my weird projects yeah. where I can say what I want and not be censored. And mm -hmm. I don't want to censor guests. So you've worked in, you're working radio. Mm -hmm. so Sometimes. Okay. Yeah. It's weird. I think the same way you were talking about how your path was kind of like dotted with different stuff. Mm -hmm. I think wanting to do something is way different than doing something or like knowing how to do something is different than wanting to do it. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I think I'm a writer through and through. But then there's things that come up like, oh, can you make a podcast for us? Or, oh, do you want to report on this like really deep investigative thing? And I'm like, mm -hmm. I can. <laughs> like, this would be a thing I should know. So, yeah. yeah. So, um, so you're a writer. Mm -hmm. And then so you work. You, you were saying that you were getting brought to WDT to do interviews or. What yeah. That? Well, so I was doing what I've realized is once you started, especially in Detroit, in one media thing. Other people hear about it. Mm -hmm. And then maybe that happens everywhere. But I think it's just a smaller scene here. So, like, I'm working on a Model D neighborhood reporting thing two years ago. And all of a sudden, they're like, oh, do you want to come and talk about that work that you're doing for WDT? Mm -hmm. Which is interesting, because I think in journalism, a lot of the stuff, you're kind of making it up as you go, or you're trying to figure it out. Mm -hmm. So to talk about the process while the process is happening... It's interesting, but that's how I first got my foot in the door, and now I'm doing sort of like 
heavier housing and utilities reporting with this company called Outlier Media, okay. who has a partnership with WDT okay, okay. for like a six-month fellowship. So oh, cool. I can randomly end up on the radio sometimes, hey. which is nice. You got a good radio voice. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, oh, that's dope. Um, so we'll we'll delve into that. Uh, thanks for sitting with me. Yeah, for real. I'm like I was as I was. I am excited. I just feel like so many things have manifested lately for yeah. me, and I think you like coming in in a bright storm <laughs> and telling like, me hey. all about you. Like, yeah, I'm like I want to know more. I want to see how people are living and living and thinking. Yeah, yeah, same. I mean, I when so we met at the Norwest Gallery, and um, can you tell me about that event? Because I just literally. I Rolled was in. out here for Mocap with the uh, contact high with Vicky Toback, and she's from Detroit, so I was like, I'm a I didn't up. know that. Yeah, she's okay. from Detroit, and um, she is basically a history of hip-hop through photography, and is honoring the, the photo photographers, and they're sharing their contact sheets, and she's a master's collection, and she's so dope, but she grew up here. Uh, she's a Russian immigrant. I think she's first generation. Right. Yeah, like Mirham Tramick, mm -hmm. and she's... Yeah, she grew up here. Yeah. yeah. So she's kind of, it was, I was like, it's your homecoming girl. <laughs> right. You know, and I want to be there. So did I, she come to the event too, or she was still doing She was there. Oh, damn. Yeah, okay. she was there. She did, She was there. And um, it was, uh, Biba Adams was the moderator. Mm -hmm. um, do you know her? I know her name. She, she said that she's, about you too. She's done, because so the thing I did at Model D, she did it for another neighborhood after okay. me. So we've Wonderful. probably like crossed paths. I'm going to give her yeah. your number and you her number. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I, I met with her yesterday, which is also cool. Like random. Yeah. Um, yeah, but so I just was here for that event and then I, I knew they were going to show this film. Can you tell me about that? Yeah, so the film is called Black to Techno. Jen and Kuru, who went to Howard, studied... Um, studied law in like London. She's British, she's Nigerian, and then came to Howard to study film. And then after that, has just been doing her thing. She directed like the Ape Shit video and has just been getting really great, well, achieving great opportunities for herself. So she did a, a documentary called Black to Techno, which takes a look at the founding of techno music in Detroit specifically mm -hmm. um, through this sort of, it's definitely Afrofuturistic, nonlinear view. Right. Um, and the reason I got involved is that last year I wrote a story for Metro Times about techno. And I think it was great because I'm 26. So I was born in 92 and I wasn't around for like, the the big 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 techno boom it was right. like something that had already happened and kind of dissolved right. slash gone overseas by the time I got to like my you know taste level stages sure, of yeah, life yeah, yeah. so I was like yeah I don't know if I'm qualified to write this story but if I can just act like I'm learning this new thing for the first time then we can do it so I ended up talking to all the founders here wrote a story that I, is still probably one of my favorite stories that I've written and it came out the weekend of movement festival weekend so a lot of people picked it up a lot of people were like who's this person a lot of people were mad that I said techno was black but yeah but it is yeah. and and it was it was one of those things where I talked to so many people and that's one of the main things they wanted to tell me that I'm like well this is a fact at this point if everybody yeah. says it if all the hands making it were black it's black and it's not something we can argue about so anyway I wrote the story um, and the, I, the funny thing is Jen had an open call for the film, like send like a picture and your age and your size okay, or whatever. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, I kind of want to like show up if they're going to be in my city. So I sent it, didn't hear anything back. But then like two weeks later, I got an email from her team like, hey, we read your article. 
and we want you to read like a part of it in the film. Oh, great! So it was it was one of those things. So your voice was in the film. My, yeah, I narrated it. It was one of those things where your work you like is working. Not all of it. It was okay. a lot of different sure. people. So I would say everybody on that panel: Mahogany Music, Stacey Howex Hale, um, Lene Denise. Yeah, we all we all said something at some point. Okay. So we, they didn't actually end up using the excerpt from my. Um, article in the movie but something else they wanted me to like tie techno to like black beauty and culture yeah so anyway it was one of those things like I am continuously having these moments where I think something is done like you file the article it's published some people like it, it's done yeah but then a year later if it still has legs or if somebody yeah. else is like oh can I include this in the thing and it's like all right something something happened there's some yeah. like spirit in there and um and what you were saying at the, because uh, it, it was basically like I just was oh I had uh, interviewed Jessica Care more right before beautiful yeah. and I've interviewed her for Metro yeah, Times too so it's just amazing. like woo woo yeah she's so amazing she's like one solid tribe. Yeah. yeah and then so she had told me about the the gap that they were going to be showing the film again at the gallery because I wasn't able to make it at, yeah to the um to the back at MoCat and yeah it was like. It was so dope. I was like, who are these ladies? <laughs> who are all these ladies? And then I saw you were looking so pretty. Thank you. With your fro. I was uh, like, yeah, girl. Yeah. And so I just <laughs> kind of, I, um, my listeners know, I will roll up on a motherfucker like. I love it, doing? though. A genuine like, yeah. roll up, Yeah, though. totally. Because to I'm just like, I'm coming from a place of, I left uh, this city when I was 22. And I always was like, because oh, like I was saying, we were talking before about my, my path in mm -hmm. education. It was like it was not um, a traditional path whatsoever, but yeah. I'm, I'm I'm here now. Booming. And when I left, I was like, okay, I'm gonna I gotta leave because it, I got I don't know God's like get out of here and yeah. go and learn stuff. And I always had the intention of coming back here and contributing and kind of like bringing all these skills that I learned back to my city because I'm like I grew up here and I I love Detroit so much. So mm -hmm. when I I'm very intentional about it. Like, yeah, it's not like, oh, who's going to party? I don't really give a fuck yeah. about parties. I just kind of want to know who's doing what. Like, how can we? What can I bring to the table? Yeah. Like, what are y'all doing? How can I? How can I contribute? Yeah. You know. And um, at this point, I mean, I've been planting the seeds for a couple of years. Uh, two years ago, I did a mural. My one of my friends who passed over on the east side, mm -hmm. and that was like those first seeds of like, all right, I'm, I'm about to be back up in here. So right. That was. And I showed up there. I was like, oh. And that's important because I think people undermine how hard it is to get back home mm -hmm. from the shit that you're doing. Like, mm -hmm. even moving back from Chicago, which is four hours up the yeah. street, it was like pulling teeth. Like, it felt, I don't know. People try to make it feel, we were talking about shame and guilt. People mm -hmm. make it feel like, oh, you could make it out there. Where it's like, no, I chose to come back home the same way right. you're choosing to be here for some weeks at a time yeah. and like continuously contribute. So, mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's a game. I think people like to play a game to, like, just, like, dupe you out of the stuff that you deserve. Like, you deserve to be able to come home to your home and yeah. enjoy it. I deserve to be here and make a living and not have to move <laughs> however many miles away. Like, there's there's all this... Cause when I was younger, I was like, why don't, why don't y'all leave and go? Yeah. Yes. And then people were like, who's going to stay? Yeah. Like, we got to keep the brain power there. My friend Khaled told me that. We we got to keep the brain power here. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, actually, you're right. Yeah. You know? But my path was, it. I needed to go do all this other stuff. And so it's super important for me to be in this space. Like, yeah. it's been really, it's been really beautiful. I was supposed to be here for like two days. Right. 
and I've been here for like over two weeks. When the I think spirit I took two moves weeks today. you, good. I've been here for two weeks. Woo! Yeah. Overstays. <laughs> yeah, overstays. <laughs> I know. Back at home, people are like texting me, like, "Where you at?" Right? Like, Can you back. come over? <laughs> I'll be back <laughs> on Monday. So, um, so yeah. Well, welcome back home. How long have you been back here? I've been back for three years. Okay. Does not feel like that. It feels crazy to say, but um, I think I just reached a point where. I wasn't writing full-time yet. That's one mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. So I was just kind of... I went to school in, in Evanston at Northwestern, and then I moved like 30 minutes away to actual Chicago after okay. school. And I was just working jobs that were very white, very corporate, very stiff, and didn't leave me enough time to like love myself yeah. and write and do whatever. So I got to a point where I'm like, yeah, it's cool, and I know people here, and I could play this game forever and just sure. go out every night all summer to, like, not think about how I don't want to go to work in yeah, the morning. Yeah. Or I can go back home where I know I can take a little bit of risk. I think a part of me knew if I moved back home, I would get a job, quit a job. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, things would yeah. happen that I would need somebody to pick me up How's from. that transition been for you? Um, I think I'm stepping into it now. I think initially it was... Tempting to stay on the straight and narrow path. Like, I'm going to get a salary so I can go home, so I can get a house and a car and a dog and whatever. Um, But very quickly, I've realized just, like, what what environments I require everywhere I go. You know what I mean? Where it's like, you can't, I can't, I'm not somebody you can just plop somewhere and it's going to be okay. I I try to act like it. My spirit would like to, like, pump it up. Yeah. Yeah, but then it's just like, nah. So... I came back with the job in marketing because I thought it was going to be fun. <laughs> was not at all. Well, I was the only black person. I was the only writer on staff, and they wanted to edit my work. And I was just like, well, this is not how it goes because yeah. I'm the only one who can do this work, and nobody else is doing it, and yeah. I don't want to do it anymore. Right. <laughs> so I quit that um, kind of close to my birthday, which was great. Um, Step into your, your new yeah, life. I was just yeah. like, I oh, will figure it out. Did yep. not have a plan, <laughs> did not have a savings. I had this apartment and I was like, I'll be able to wing You're it. Like, well, I can sleep. Somewhere. Yeah, I can <laughs> eat. I can feed myself. My mom is not too far. Right. Um, and then I worked like just retail jobs. I worked at Ally Media as a mm-hmm. communications assistant. Like I just pieced together a living for a little bit. And then while I was doing that, writing opportunities came and I'm like I don't know if I have the time but I need I know I need more clips like I didn't have enough stuff to send to people to even justify make like allowing me to write for them sure so I like was working a crazy like kind of three jobby schedule for maybe almost a year and then I accepted like a full-time job um doing a podcast with Michigan Radio last year and then this year I'm doing like a fellowship and figuring out what I want to do this summer. but And the reason I talk, I know I feel like I talk about work so much, but what I've realized is that for me, work and life are like sitting next to each other, holding hands. You know, like they're not this far away thing. Balance, yes, is important, but it's also like the way I'm living my life is how I'd like my work to be honored too. Like Mm -hmm. I need to live a life where I can take breaks and like go for walks and be inspired for stuff and let that matter just as much as like, coming in on time. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. other stuff. I yeah. don't know. No, that does matter. And especially um, since you're doing, like, you're making all these moves and working in media. Yeah. You know, like, working as a writer, as a broadcaster, then you kind of do have to be, you have to keep yourself happy and centered. Yeah. And, and you got to be able to take walks and shit. Yeah. And untainted. Like, I yeah. think some people... <laughs> 
think of you a certain way, right? Like, if you want the carefree black girl with the fro, let's call you Imani. But it's like, yeah. do you have a carefully, carefree black environment? Because if not, <laughs> yeah. you're not going to get this. You're yeah. going to get something else. Yeah. So I think um, I've just been really interrogating that and not beating myself up over not wanting to fit a certain standard. Yeah. And then realizing, like, you know, what is a stupid risk and what's a worthwhile risk. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, I've, I've done the just, like, fuck it, I'm going to do it thing. But at this point in my life, I'm like, I want to do a fuck it, I'm going to do it with, like, certainty. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and back up, like, support. Uh-huh. Like, I don't want to be a one-woman team my whole mm-hmm. life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's, that's literally where I'm at right now. And I think I'm just stepping a little more into my power and not waiting for other people to give it to me, which, yeah. which lets the options open up a little bit more. It does. And then you're being really authentic. And at the end of the day, that's what people are going to come to you for. Yeah. It's for that authenticity. You know? Yeah. So, um, so you grew up in Detroit. Mm-hmm. Hey, hey, Ooh. Hey, Detroit's yeah. on I rolled up this weekend like, whoa. <laughs> Y'all, because it's, I, I still, like, call it dim because I'm old. Yeah. Like, because we would go to the like, Detroit Electronic Music Fest, which is the movement now. Yeah. Um, and we, oh, God. We it just, was free back then, too. It was too. free. Yeah, so, was life was free. different. We would just roll up. We would get, like, some blunts. And we had these, like, boyfriends from Canada these Ethiopian boyfriends, and we, they would, like, meet us. The specificity. Yeah, it was, like, literally, we all had Ethiopian boyfriends. Um, hey, hey, Bill. You know? and, uh, it was dope. And, but they had a, their family ran, like, this bar in, uh, right across uh, in Windsor. And okay. so we would go over there and, and you know, like, hang out. That sounds fun. Right. And we were, like, 16. We would go to this. This restaurant called Krabby Dicks. Okay. <laughs> it was like the seafood spot. And then they would come here and we would, you know, run around in Denver. It was like the best weekend because you would see everybody. Everyone. Yeah. And then even the uh, Hart Plaza is the entire venue. So there's just like these weird corners and underneath yep. and roundabouts and, and close so, to the water. And it's on the water. Yeah. You know? It's on the water. So um, I left the year that they started charging, actually. Mm. And so, but we were like, can I have your wristband? <laughs> like, right. We, we didn't pay anything to get in. But so this time showing back up, um, I think it was really just lined up, like the stars lined up because I have been wanting to come back for this weekend for a couple of years mm-hmm. and just never, it just was not working yeah. out. And then it ended up like, oh shit. So you were there this year too? Yeah. Okay. I didn't go to the festival. Okay, but I, you were around for I was like for all yeah, the, the after parties, parties yeah. which is really what it's about. It was so fun. Yeah. Yeah. It was so fun. So that whole weekend and then it ended up um it ended at the Nor- Northwest Gallery. Right. Got you. Know? you. Yeah. 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 So that was it's been real special Detroit is it's really different. Um, than when I left, but it's, everything's changing. So mm-hmm. can you tell me about uh, where you come from? Yeah. So I grew up on the east side. I grew up... Where's your mural? It's on uh, uh, East Davidson near near uh, Van Dyke. It's still there now? Uh-huh. Okay, cool. Now we we go installed see. it in the back, though, because of gentrification, you know, being a signal. Yeah. The murals are a huge signal of gentrification. So we right. kind of, like, tucked it away and also did it in, in a... It's mobile. Yeah. So it can be deinstalled and reinstalled in That's case cool. they aren't there yeah which is crazy that we have to think about that i think we've like yeah you've always had to be able to move but now it's like the imperative of like shit could completely crumble beneath you at any point yeah um so i'm from the east side i grew up first on maiden i live with my mom grandma auntie and cousin there for like four years which was you know you think about it my mom was 25 when she had me i'm a year older than her 
what she was then. And you think about it, and it sounds like, oh, like, single mother. But we had so much fun. Yeah. Like, having a grandma to make breakfast and a cousin to mess with that's mm-hmm. older than you, and it's a boy, and it's doing all this other stuff. Mm-hmm. And, like, an aunt that's loving on you because you're the only girl in the oh, house, yeah. I'm, you know? I'm, a, I'm a best auntie. Yeah, yeah, like, that was such a once-in-a-lifetime thing. So to have, like, started my first four to five years there and think about how hard it is to even get us all in the same place. No, yeah. <laughs> right now, it's crazy. So I lived there for a little bit. Then I moved to Lenark, which is off kind of like Mack and Ross area. Mm-hmm. Um, for I don't know how many years, maybe four more years. And my mom met my stepdad, and we moved to Outer Drive, East Outer Drive, okay. which was like Morningside neighborhood. Okay. Beautiful place. Like, I don't know. I don't know if I knew big houses had, were on the east side until I went over there, yeah. unless you count like maybe Indian Village if that's east. It is. Um, yeah, yeah, it just feels so close to downtown, but yeah, mm-hmm. east. Um, so we were there for a few years, and that's the neighborhood I was working in last year. Like, seren- serendipity is the thing. But okay, yeah. so here's the thing though I was like very weary about going to get a job. Like, I just didn't want to work a full time job. Right. But I was like, okay, salary's cool. And then I was like, I need a sign. Like, I need something to show me that this is a thing I'm doing. So, you know, people post job descriptions or like job posts as blog posts now. So I'm looking at the blog with the job on it. In the middle of the posting is the house I grew up in. Stop. Now, like, really? Literally You're no like, lie. Dear God, right. Can you give me a yeah, sign? Yeah, a like, sign. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Sorry. We back. I just blew out the speaker. Oh, so loud. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, so like, dear God. Anything. Like, I know I know this neighborhood, but like, show me why this is a thing. The house I grew up in, the house. I went to private school for the first time in and like did my spelling bees and started writing stories every night for class. Like that is the house that we featured, not a house I don't love, like the one house I ever loved in my whole house, in my whole life. So, (laughs) and it was like, it was beautiful and it was so crazy because I lived there the whole time, never called it Morningside, didn't know there was a name for the neighborhood. And that ended up being like a theme throughout the podcast is like, we live places we name them ourselves. Yeah. Our house could have a name. Our block might have a name. But we don't. I don't know what this neighborhood is half yeah. the time unless it's already notable. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I moved there, went to middle school in Gross Point Academy, uh, well, elementary and middle, fourth to eighth grade. And then um, we moved to, like, over by Eastland for a little bit in an apartment because my dad was starting a business up. My baby sister was born in 2001 nice. in that beautiful big house that I was talking about. That's so crazy. And then... Um, we moved to Victoria Park, which is like off Jefferson and Dickerson, like another sort of fairy tale subdivision that still yeah. has like the hood right there always coming through yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> kind of place. And I lived there throughout high school, but I went to high school at West Bloomfield High School because okay. my mom teaches there. Oh, good. So it's just a lot of crisscross. And That's I think, yeah. you know, like the way that you're like, oh, this apartment is gorgeous. Thank you so much. Because home has been such a loaded place for me. Yeah. And not even, like, I think everybody has their own shit. Like, there's trauma associated with whatever, yourself, mm-hmm. wherever you go. But for me, home was always so, it was just changing so much no matter what. Like, my dad was into real estate, so mm-hmm. he would, like, buy a house and want to flip it, but not look at it like we're moving here and living here and starting okay. our life. So, I think... Would you live in those houses? We would live in some of them, okay. and he'd be working on them while we do it. Okay. Or 
we would be in this weird moment where we get the house up to this beautiful standard just to sell it to oh, somebody else. Like, oh, it's so great now. Yeah, yeah. and I yeah. get that he's a businessman and that was the thing, but for me being a Scorpio <laughs> and an Imani or whatever the hell I am, it's like I'm attached to, or I'm very um, influenced by the space around me. Yeah. So I need to feel like this is a place I can put something down in mm -hmm. and know it's not going to come down or have to be packed up in three months or whatever. Yeah, that must have been really tense. Yeah, so I'm, I lived all east side my whole life, but I've always had a mom who was just, like, just fun as hell. Like, she's still the most fun person I know. Mm -hmm. I think I'm fun, but, like, she is so fun. I'm like, you're so cool. You're so much cooler than so I could ever be. <laughs> yeah, but we were just always everywhere. We just running the streets, like, mm -hmm. festivals and museums and whatever. Like, I think that was all of my childhood, and then we would go home to wherever we were in the east side. Mm -hmm. You have siblings? Yeah, my sister. Just my little sister. She is 17, going to be 18 in July. Nice. Mm -hmm. You have a big family? I don't know. Not really. No. If extended family, maybe yeah. it would look big, but like the people with that we really talk to on a regular basis and see is probably like 10 of us tops. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I have a big ass family. I, I'm curious. I'm like, ah, ooh, that yeah. seems like a lot. It's, uh, well, I have two, I have uh, two sisters. I have a brother and I have a stepsister, which is my sister. Of course, so uh, there's like a gang of us, pretty much, and then but my grandmothers both had like a lot of kids. kids. Yeah. So I have so many cousins. And, yeah, uh, yeah. The, the fam we are my family here. They're pretty much here, and then I have a lot of family in LA, which I'm being reacquainted with. Oh, well, cool. What side? All over. Okay. All no, over. like in your family, mom. Oh, dad. my mom's side. Um, well, my mom, but where they make Native American. My mom's mom's side, they're from Petoskey. So mm -hmm. I have a lot of family up north. Right. And then um, my mom's dad's side, they're the ones that are in, in California. Like gotcha. They all were here at one point, and then everyone left, but my grandfather stayed here. So oh. we're the only part of, of the family. We're like the tiny enclave of Right, the Detroit Allens. family. So it's, it's funny going to L.A. They're like, oh, yeah, Detroit Cousins is here. You know, but yeah. they all have this um, love for Detroit because... You know, my one of my aunt Eulis, who I thought was so mean, but now I'm like, oh no, she just was strict. You know? Right. They, she used to come out here a lot. Like my my um my grandfather's siblings would come visit here all the time. We would mm -hmm. go out there. And then on my dad's side, I never met his father. He passed before I was born. But um, his mom, my my grandma, my nana, mm -hmm. she she had like like how many? I don't even know how many brothers or sisters. Because when I was really little, they were still around. But a lot of them actually. In this area, a lot of them are around this area, mm -hmm. um, like on Whitney, off of 12, like, I have family, we grew up, like, on um, Gratiot and Mac, and, and pre pretty much, like, my family lives in enclaves, wherever they are, Good. so if there's, if you live on Russell, like, an eight mile, there's four houses on that block wow. that my family has, or, like, with my grandma, before she passed, she was living in Brightmore on uh, Lamphere, mm -hmm. just south of Finkel, and it was, like, she lived next to my auntie all her kids and then my cousin lavar bought a house on the corner so it's like everyone's yeah. together and i think you know? we need that i it's think cool. like in real life living in detroit and also like learning more about what the housing system is like here it's like when blocks disappear families are dispersing yeah totally yeah that that pretty much like it killed my grandmother, like mm. because um, the houses are so. It was just like slumlord city. Yeah, her the back of my auntie's house like fell off. Oh my gosh! It like fell off by and itself. So, yeah, it just rotted away, mm. and um, they had been living there for a very long time. But it was, you know, it was really cool because you can 
go to grandma's house and then like go next door to your auntie's yeah. house in and then her sons and we just be bad as fuck in the basement. I'm sure. Or, like running the streets. Yeah. And then when they lived on, when she lived on Jane off of Gratiot, those are like my, I think I was like, I was really little when she was living over there up until I was a teenager. So we like be smoking black and mild, <laughs> <laughs> like walking around because the, the neighborhood was, um, that's when it started to become decimated, mm. you know, and now it's like that block. I'm actually gonna ride by there. Yeah. Um. You know, every every year there was yeah. a new house that burned down. That's so much. It was a lot, and when we were really little, it wasn't that. It was kind of like all these kids on the block. And right. Some were really poor and stuff. We were all friends. Yeah. And we didn't know we were poor because yeah, like, when you're on the sidewalk, yeah. we don't. I can't tell. No, you can't <laughs> exactly. So. We grew up all around the whole city, but my grandmother lived in uh, Royal Oak Township, so we can go to Oakland County School. So we cool. use her address. And uh, it's just so much. It's so much because I'm like, when am I going to be the grandma that's moving somewhere so my babies can go to school? Because my mom yeah. did the same thing. Like, she worked there so we could go yeah. there. So it's just like so much sacrifice that comes with just, I guess, existing, but also that thriving aspect of it. Yeah, like, and it was like really fucked up because, um, like, Going to Ferndale schools, we had really great, and I'm sure you know exactly what yeah. I mean. You have really great resources. Oh yeah. So we had computer labs when they came out, right? You know, and like right. kind of all these different teams. We had drivers training class, yeah. You know, and with a track at mm-hmm. the school, and then when I would go to Detroit public schools, it was like you don't, ha- you can't have your own booking class, right? You got to share books in class, yeah, so, and a homework, yeah, because you can't take the book home, yeah, and um, which affects so much, yeah, more. like a lot of traumatized children. We all kind of were going through whatever, yeah, and um, but it was, it was fun, yeah, it was a lot of fun though, yeah, but definitely like in Ferndale when, and the Ferndale is on Eight Mile. It's like, mm-hmm. I mean, it's a different world. It's a different world. It's about six short blocks from Eight Mile, yeah, and. They, the black kids there were like, we're not from Detroit. And I'm like, right. I'm like, and then maybe they grew up over there. Well, they grew up. Yeah, a lot of them grew up there or grew up in Oak Park and stuff. And um, it was like this whole class thing that yeah. was happening. So the kids from Detroit, first of all, if they started going there, they were cool. Yeah, automatically. right. Oh, you made it there. Yeah. Like, yeah. Ooh, you, you know, they're like the cool kid from Detroit. And I'm yeah. Like, it's, it's a block of Yeah. Block like, literally away. go to the corner store. Go to the corner store. <laughs> yeah. Um. But we had to kind of hide our address. We couldn't. Right. We had to. I mean, I grew up in my grandmother's house for sure. Yeah. And um, it was built. uh, All those houses, they're owned by black. It's a black neighborhood. Good. And it was through the GI Bill. So after like my grandfather came back from the war, they were building all these homes over there for the soldiers that had come back. So that's beautiful. Yeah, it's really cool. And it actually worked, though. Like, I think that's the difference between even, I guess, like you know, public school versus, or DPS versus whatever, is sure. like, there are places where if you make a promise, you have to follow up yeah. on it. And, and you yeah. can tell who's prioritized based on what those promises look like, mm-hmm. and if they actually come through. Yeah. So I'm thinking, like, what, you know, what, mm, I don't know what national regulation would happen that would make people have to build houses for... Yeah, they don't do it now. Yeah, and they I think, yeah, we, that's something we definitely need to think about, because everybody I know that's thriving creatively is not thriving like financially or in their home or whatever like there's always some kind of turmoil happening well it's like um i fortunately have an apartment that's affordable in new york yeah so i'm like okay i can actually move around and stuff yeah um 
and live a life like it's not nomadic at all. You know, I just right. have these other homes right. pretty much so I can I can actually do work. So I'm really trying to monetize it because mm-hmm. as a as a creator, yeah, like you said, it's almost like you're you I don't fuck up fuck that uh starving artist shit. Yeah, you know, nah. it's like People looking from the outside might think like, oh, you're like bohemian yeah. or whatever. Yeah, you wake just, up at whatever time. Yeah, and you're like, no, you actually, in order to make money and stuff, you have to make money because yeah. in order to keep doing what you're doing, you have to monetize it. And um, being an artist, like definitely, or a writer or creator, yeah. you're like doing some stuff on your own, then that part of it isn't talked about. Right. You know? Yeah. So um, how do you monetize like what you do? So... Definitely. So I haven't been a full-time fruit writer yet, like on my own. I'll say freelance. I haven't, not yet. And that's where literally I'm at the precipice, like looking forward, like, okay, I need to do this. Um, So I immediately, like when I quit that marketing job, it was like, all right, it's over for helping people for free Uh with the kind of stuff. I think I've always been the word person, like, Imani, can you look this over? Can you help me write this thing? So I immediately was, like, for, like, artist bios and press releases and, like, that kind of promotional stuff that I just left that job doing, I'm just going to do it for the people who are close to me. Yeah. So that was nice to kind of get me by a little bit. Um, I like that you said that because um, I have a uh, friend, Allison Davidson, Allison Davidson, I met her, uh, I was working at this uh, this school, Brooklyn Theater Arts High School, Mm -hmm. and one of the guys asked her to read over, like, Something. And she yeah. was like, yes, but I, I do charge. Right. That's really powerful. Yeah. And I think especially if the requests are coming frequently, then that means you do something that people want yeah. and require. And if they're about to get a write-up for this press release that you just wrote, you definitely should get some money from yeah. it. So I was doing that first. I'm trying to really think back because it's been a minute. Sure. That was one of the initial things. Um, and then lately, obviously, I've been like pitching articles are getting paid to write them mm-hmm. um this weekend i'm filming a documentary with these people that awesome. i'm gonna tell you to come up and be in sure, <laughs> um uh so i think just the more you dedicate to the thing that you want to do the more possible it becomes mm-hmm. so it's like okay people approach me now knowing that i write and then right. the next step is like okay i do some other shit too like you yeah. know is this something that's applicable so right now um, outside of like work hours, I'm freelance writing. I'm DJing. Nice. Nice. I'm, you DJ too? Yeah, oh, you yeah, stuff, all the stuff. Hey, I'm just trying so to dope. keep the things going and like get cool. better at them all to the point that's where so I can cool. charge a lot. Sure. Um, trying to figure out how to charge people for photo shoots too. I feel like I've been featured in a lot of stuff, and I'm like, I was hmm. wondering about that because when I saw you, I was like. Like, wow. I was probably so creepy. <laughs> no, you literally brightened my day because I was like, she's so fucking cool and she's talking to me and this uh, is great. I was like walked in just uh, with my session kit. Yeah, you look real me. official. <laughs> like, Hello, everybody. But I remember um, uh, Kadario, who actually the, photog- the photographer that was taking a photo. Was right, alive. got you. I he just met friend- him there. Yeah, he, he was friends with my friend Dana who passed. So okay. me and him have been like broed out. Good. So hard, but I remember him taking your photo, and I was like, "Did she charge?" Yeah, mm. you know, not yet. I want to though, especially depending yeah. on what it is for. But it was crazy because what I'm saying is like words have always mattered to me on the page, right? Mm-hmm. But I'm at a place where I'm like, I want to manifest some shit, so I'm gonna claim it. Yeah, either like 
out there in the world or just to myself regularly. And I remember thinking a few months ago, like, okay, I write, but I do love like style and images and like beauty and whatever. So I'm trying to get featured. Like I'm trying to get in some pictures and get paid for it. And then Madewell, totally uh, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm working on it. Yeah. I'm going to work on it. Yeah. <laughs> but Madewell, the, and that's the thing, too. So I quit my job. I started working at Somerset. And I had worked at Somerset in high school at Abercrombie. So nice. it felt like that moment of like, oh, like I'm back again. Like I haven't moved <laughs> at all. I was just slinging tank tops upstairs. Yeah. Now I'm slinging jeans down here. Uh-huh. But, um, yeah, the Madewell team came to Detroit because they opened up some stores and they emailed like, hey, we're doing this series about like humans we heart or like ladies we love and we want to feature you in some of our clothes and have you do and like write something. Awesome. So I'm like, I can get money for being a face and get money for writing and like it's a brand that I actually enjoy, like their clothes. Yeah. Yeah. So I think I've just had a lot of these moments where I'm a real big strategizer, sit down and write shit down, but Mm -hmm. other times stuff just happens Mm -hmm, and it's mm -hmm. because the intention is there and the work is there. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I definitely get most of my money from writing now. I kind of like, I guess consult would be a thing. Like Mm -hmm. a lot of people that start stuff talk to me about it, which is great. And then I end up getting involved some kind of way sometimes. so yeah, those two things, DJing, I've just started in the last year, so I um, do charge, but I'll be charging more yeah, <laughs> once yeah. I learn more things. Well, because you're like, I, I love DJs, I love music, yeah. I worked in bars for a long time, and I would yeah. just be like, looking at my friends, like, how are you, like, you're paying attention Yeah, in the, in the party the setting. in the room, yeah. and like, you're manipulating it, and bringing it up, and then slowing it down, yeah. and bringing it up. What kind it's of music a good thing. Do I don't even know. I, I like stuff that makes me personally feel good, yeah. but that's a range of things. So I think like disco, I really have a thing for like women just like claiming beautiful shit. So like Diana Ross, Aretha ah, Franklin, yeah, 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 definitely yeah. Prince, his birthday's today. Um, and then I like also just having new stuff, like any new stuff where I'm like, oh, this artist is thinking about it. Yeah. Like this music is like great. I'll rush to get that. I'm digital. I'm not vinyl. Sure. Um, and then... I like to just try to play around, like how slow can I actually go and keep y'all here? Yeah. And I'm still trying to find that balance, but I think I'm... Like, how sexy can we make Yeah, yeah. like how, where are you really trying to go? But I think I can always get there. In my body, in my mind, I'm always like, oh, but we could. Like, oh, you know, like we can play Usher right now. Like we can play Confessions (laughs) right now. We don't have to listen to this thing. Yeah. So I'm definitely trying to find it, but still, like, I think it's because of the, the music era I grew up in, like... Ignorant rap shit, like loud, big, ignorant rap shit still gives me like adrenaline rush and like momentum. And I'm trying to find the line between like, you know, ignorant rap shit that's not misogynistic and crazy. Like, can it just be fun? Can it just be this? Mm -hmm. And that's tough. Yeah. Because we've, it's lines we memorize that are actually horrible to say. You're saying loud. Yeah. One of the, the, the illest moments, my niece, Brooklyn, she was like, she said, oh, I said, push me to the edge. And she was like, all my friends are dead. Oh, God. She, she was six. I was like, oh, God. Mm-mm. I was Mm-mm. like, man. No. I was like, I am not, I'm not feeling this. But I guess like, because I grew up in the 90s and it was, you know. Yeah. We, we were talking about knocking boots. We knew yeah. all. Yeah. I didn't know what any of it meant. Yeah. But it was there. Yeah. And it was yeah. fun. And it was a vibe. So it's yeah. kind of like, I'm always curious, like, as, as a woman, like, how do you choose 
how do you choose what you play? I don't play any abusers in my set. Okay. Which sounds easy, but a lot of people, if you dig a little deeper, they are abusers and we just don't know it yet. So it's some party party songs I just can't play because it wouldn't be cool because there's a woman behind that that's physically hurt, emotionally hurt from this person. Um, So I definitely try to, it's, you know, the sound is the sound. The sound is going to compel you to try to get the song and then it's like, okay, but what does this mean? Mm -hmm. Um, So I typically, I started just making playlists like a minute ago and Mm. I think that's where I started being like, this is the kind of thing I want to listen to, and then that grew into, ooh, if I played this, I should play this next, which yeah, then just yeah, yeah. builds that, like, okay, well, you got 50 songs you can play in succession. That's a set right there. Yeah, it is. Um, so, yeah, I think I definitely did go by the event. Like, I'm playing something up in Idlewild in July. Nice. And I think I have a late night set, and it's, like, mostly black people. It's the Black fun. Eden up there. So I'm like, we can just go sexy. We can go fun. We can, like, go there and just go, 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 like, juicy yeah. chocolate stuff, you know? Yeah. Um, and then I did like a Valentine's Day set. So I'm like, okay, love songs. Yes. Mm -hmm. So I think the vibe of the event is definitely a thing, but I'm trying to just build some standards, like party, fun, emotional, like whatever sets and Mm -hmm. just kind of go from there. Oh, that's cool. I'm learning. East. Um, yeah, Yeah. it just feels so close to downtown, but yeah, Mm -hmm. East. Um, so we were there for a few years and that's the neighborhood I was working in last year. Like seren- that's fucking serendipity is the thing. But okay, yeah. so here's the thing though. I was like very weary about going to get a job. Like I just didn't want to work a full-time job. Right. But I was like, okay, salary's cool. And then I was like, I need a sign. Like I need something to show me that this is a thing I'm doing. So, you know, people post job descriptions or like job posts as blog posts now. So I'm looking at the blog with the job on it. In the middle of the posting is the house I grew up in. Stop. Not like really? literally You're no like, lie. Dear God, right. Can you give me a yeah, sign? Yeah, a like, sign. Hold on. Sorry. We back. <laughs> like, I just blew out the speaker oh, so loud. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, so like dear God. Anything. Like I know I know this neighborhood, but like show me why this is a thing. The house I grew up in, the house. I went to private school for the first time in and like did my spelling bees and started writing stories every night for class. Like that is the house that we featured, not a house I don't love, like the one house I ever loved in my whole house, in my whole life. So, so (laughs) and it was like, it was beautiful and it was so crazy because I lived there the whole time, never called it Morningside, didn't know there was a name for the neighborhood. And that ended up being like a theme throughout the podcast is like, we live places we name them ourselves. Yeah. Our house could have a name. Our block might have a name. But we don't. I don't know what this neighborhood is half yeah. the time unless it's already notable. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I moved there, went to middle school in Gross Point Academy, uh, well, elementary and middle, fourth to eighth grade. And then um, we moved to, like, over by Eastland for a little bit in an apartment because my dad was starting a business up. My baby sister was born in 2001 nice. in that beautiful big house that I was talking about. That's so crazy. And then... Um, we moved to Victoria Park, which is like off Jefferson and Dickerson, like another sort of fairy tale subdivision that still yeah. has like the hood right there always coming through yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> kind of place. And I lived there throughout high school, but I went to high school at West Bloomfield High School because okay. my mom teaches there. Oh, good. So it's just a lot of crisscross. And That's I think, yeah. you know, like the way that you're like, oh, this apartment is gorgeous. 
thank you so much, because home has been such a loaded place for me. Yeah. And not even, like, I think everybody has their own shit. Like, there's trauma associated with whatever, yourself, mm-hmm. wherever you go. But for me, home was always so, it was just changing so much, no matter what. Like, my dad was into real estate, so mm-hmm. he would, like, buy a house and want to flip it, but not look at it like we're moving here and living here and starting okay. our life. So I think would you live in those houses? We would live in some of them okay. and he'd be working on them while we do it. Okay. Or we would be in this weird moment where we get the house up to this beautiful standard just to sell it to oh, somebody else. Like, oh, it's so great now. Yeah. yeah. And I yeah. get that he's a businessman and that was the thing, but for me being a Scorpio <laughs> and an Imani or whatever the hell I am, it's like I'm attached to or I'm very um influenced by the space around me. So I need to feel like this is a place I can put something down in Mm -hmm. and know it's not going to come down or have to be packed up in three months or whatever. Yeah, that must have been really tense. Yeah, so I lived all east side my whole life, but I've always had a mom who was just like, just fun as hell. Like, she's still the most fun person I know. Mm-hmm. I think I'm fun, but, like, she is so fun. I'm like, you're so cool. You're so much cooler than so I could ever be. Mom. Yeah. <laughs> but we were just always everywhere. We were just running streets, like, mm-hmm. festivals and museums and whatever. Like, I think that was all of my childhood, and then we would go home to wherever we were on the east side. Mm-hmm. You have siblings? Yeah, my sister. Just my little sister. She is 17, going to be 18 in July. Nice. Mm-hmm. You have a big family? I don't no, not really. No. If extended family, maybe yeah. it would look big, but like the people with that we really talk to on a regular basis and see is probably like ten of us tops. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I have a big ass family. Oh, I'm curious. I'm like, ah, ooh, that yeah. seems like a lot. It's uh well, I have two I have uh two sisters, I have a brother and I have a stepsister, which is my sister. Of course. She so is. uh there's like a gang of us pretty much. And then but my grandmothers both have like a lot of kids. kids. So yeah. I have so many cousins. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, the, the fam- we are, my family here, they're pretty much here. And then I have a lot of family in LA, which I'm being reacquainted with. Oh, well, cool. What side? All over. Okay. All no, over. like in your family, mom, oh, dad. Oh, my mom's side. Um, well, my mom, where they make Native American. My mom's mom's side, they're from Petoskey. So mm-hmm. I have a lot of family up north. Right. And then... Um, my mom's dad's side, they're the ones that are in, in California. Like, Got you. They all were here at one point, and then everyone left, but my grandfather stayed here. So oh. we're the only part of, of the family. We're like the tiny enclave of Right, the Detroit Allens. family. So it's, it's funny going to L.A. They're like, oh, your Detroit cousins is here. You know, but yeah. they all have this um, love for Detroit because... You know, my one of my aunt Eulis, who I thought was so mean, but now I'm like, oh, no, she just was strict. You <laughs> right. Know? They, she used to come out here a lot, like my... my um, my grandfather's siblings would come visit here all the time. We would mm-hmm. go out there. And then on my dad's side, I never met his father. He passed before I was born. But um, his mom, my, my grandma, my nana, mm-hmm. she, she had like, like how many? I don't even know how many brothers and sisters. Because when I was really little, they were still around. But a lot of them, actually in this area, a lot of them are around this area. Mm-hmm. Um, like on Whitney, off of 12. Like I have family. We grew up like on... Um, Grashid and Mac, and, and pre- pretty much like my family lives in enclaves wherever they are. Good. So if there's, if you live on Russell, like an eight mile, there's four houses on that block. Wow. That my family has, or like with my grandma before she passed, she was living in Brightmore on uh, Lamphere, mm-hmm. just south of Finkel, and it was like she lived next to my auntie, all her kids, and then my cousin Lavar bought a house on the corner. So it's like everyone's. Yeah together and I think you know? we need that I it's think cool. like 
in real life living in Detroit and also like learning more about what the housing system is like here, it's like when blocks disappear, families are dispersing. Yeah, totally. Yeah, that that pretty much like it killed my grandmother, like mm-hmm. because um the house was just so it was just like slumlord city. Yeah. Her the back of my auntie's house like fell off. Oh my gosh. It like fell off. By so, itself? Yeah, it just rotted away. Mm-hmm. And um they had been living there for a very long time. But it was, you know, it was really cool because you can go to grandma's house and then like go next door to your auntie's yeah. house in lane and her sons and we'd just be bad as fuck in the basement. I'm sure. Or, like running the streets. Yeah. And then when they lived on when she lived on Jane off of Gratiot, those are like my, I think I was like, I was really little when she was living over there up until I was a teenager. So we like be smoking black and mild, <laughs> <laughs> like walking around because the neighborhood was, um, that's when it started to become decimated, mm-hmm. you know, and now it's like that block, I'm actually going to ride by there. Yeah. Um, you know, every Every year, there was yeah. a new house that burned down. That's so much. It was a lot. And when we were really little, it wasn't that. It was kind of like all these kids on the block. And right. Some were really poor and stuff. We were all friends. Yeah. And we didn't know we were poor. It's yeah. Like, when you're on the sidewalk, yeah. we don't. I can't tell. No, you can't. <laughs> exactly. So we grew up all around the whole city, but my grandmother lived in uh, Royal Oak Township, so we can go to Oakland County School. So we cool. used her address. And uh, it's just so much. It's so much because I'm like, when am I going to be the grandma that's moving somewhere so my babies can go to school? Because my mom yeah. did the same thing. Like, she worked there so we could go yeah. there. So it's just like so much sacrifice that comes with just, I guess, existing, but also that thriving aspect of it. Yeah, like, and it was like really fucked up because um, like going to Ferndale schools, we had really great, and I'm sure you know exactly what I mean, you have really great resources. Oh, yeah. So we had computer labs when they came out. Right, You know, and kind of all these different teams. We had drivers training class. Yeah. You know, and with a track at Mm -hmm. the school. And then when I would go to Detroit Public Schools, it was like, you don't, you can't, have your own book in class. Right. You got to share books in class. Yeah. So, and a homework. Yeah. Because you can't take the book home. Yeah. And, um, Which affects so much. Yeah. More. Like a lot of traumatized children. We all kind of were going through whatever. Yeah. And, um, but it was, it was fun. Yeah. It was a lot of fun though. Yeah. But definitely like in Ferndale when, and the Ferndale is on 8 Mile. It's like, mm-hmm. I mean. It's a different world. It's a different world. It's about six short blocks from 8 Mile. Yeah. And, they the black kids there were like we're not from Detroit. And I'm like right, I'm like, and then maybe they grew up over there. Well, they grew up yeah. A lot of them grew up there or grew up in Oak Park and stuff. And um, it was like this whole class thing that yeah. was happening. So the kids from Detroit, first of all, if they started going there, they were cool. Yeah, right. Oh, you made it there. Yeah, like yeah. Ooh, you you know they're like the cool kid from Detroit. And I'm yeah, like, it's it's a block. Of, yeah, block like of literally there. go to the corner store. Go to the corner store. <laughs> yeah. Um. But we had to kind of hide our address. We couldn't. Right. We had to. I mean, I grew up in my grandmother's house for sure. Yeah. And um, it was built. uh, All those houses, they're owned by black. It's a black neighborhood. Good. And it was through the GI Bill. So after like my grandfather came back from the war, they were building all these homes over there for the soldiers that had come back. So that's beautiful. Yeah, it's really cool. And it actually worked, though. Like, I think that's the difference between even, I guess, like you know, public school versus, or DPS versus whatever, is sure. like, there are places where if you make a promise, you have to follow up yeah. on it. And, and you yeah. can tell who's prioritized based on what those promises look like, mm-hmm. and if they actually come through. Yeah. So I'm thinking, like, what 
you know what? Mm, I don't know what national regulation would happen that would make people have to build houses for. Yeah, they don't do it now. Yeah, and they I think yeah, we, that's something we definitely need to think about because everybody I know that's thriving creatively is not thriving like financially yeah. or in their home or whatever. Like, there's always yeah. some kind of turmoil happening. Well, it's like um, I fortunately have a, an apartment that's affordable in New York. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, I can actually move around and stuff. Yeah. And, um, and live a life like it's not nomadic at all. You know, I just right. have these other homes right. pretty much. So I can I can actually do work. So I'm really trying to monetize it because mm-hmm. as, a, as a creator, yeah. like you said, it's almost like you're... You, I don't fuck up, fuck that uh, starving artist shit. Yeah, you know, nah. it's like people looking from the outside might think like, oh, you're like bohemian yeah. or whatever. But you wake just, up at whatever time. Yeah, and you're like, no, you actually, in order to make money and stuff, you have to make money because yeah. in order to keep doing what you're doing, you have to monetize it. And um, being an artist, like definitely, or a writer, or creator, yeah. you're like doing some stuff on your own, then that part of it isn't talked about. Right. You know? Yeah. So... Um, how do you monetize like what you do? So definitely, so I haven't been a full time fruit writer yet, like on my own. I'll say freelance. I not haven't, yet. not yet. And that's where literally I'm at the precipice, like looking forward, like okay, sure. I need to do this. Um, so I immediately, like when I quit that marketing job, it was like, all right, it's over for helping people for free uh-huh. with the kind of stuff. Yeah. I think I've always been the word person, like, Imani, can you look this over? Can you help me write this thing? So I immediately was, like, for, like, artist bios and press releases and, like, that kind of promotional stuff that I just left that job doing, I'm just going to do it for the people who are close to me. Yeah. So that was nice to kind of get me by a little bit. Um, I like that you said that because um, I have a uh, friend, Allison Davidson, Allison Davidson, I met her, uh, I was working at this, uh, the school, Brooklyn Theater Arts High School, mm-hmm. and one of the guys asked her to read over, like, something. And she yeah. was like, yes, but I, I do charge. Right. That's really powerful. Yeah, and I think, especially if the requests are coming frequently, then that means you do something that people want yeah. and require. And if they're about to get a write-up for this press release that you just wrote, you definitely should get some money from yeah. it. So I was doing that first. I'm trying to really think back because it's been a minute. That was one of the initial things. Um, And then lately, obviously, I've been, like, pitching articles and getting paid to write them. Mm -hmm. Um, This weekend, I'm filming a documentary with these people that I'm going to tell you to come up and be in. Sure, (laughs) Um, uh, So I think just the more you dedicate to the thing that you want to do, the more possible it becomes. Mm -hmm. So it's like, okay... People approach me now knowing that I write. And then right. the next step is like, okay, I do some other shit too. Like, you yeah. know, is this something that's applicable? So right now, um, outside of like work hours, I'm freelance writing, I'm DJing. Nice. Nice. I'm, you DJ too? Yeah, oh, all yeah, stuff, all the stuff. Hey, I'm just trying so to dope. keep the things going and like get cool. better at them all to the point that's where so I can cool. charge a lot. Sure. Um, I'm trying to figure out how to charge people for photo shoots too I feel like I've been featured in a lot of stuff and I'm like I was hmm. wondering about that because when I saw you I was like oh like wow. I was probably so creepy <laughs> no you literally brightened my day because I was like she's so fucking cool and she's talking to me and this is uh, great I was like walked in just 
of with my session kit. Yeah, you look real official. <laughs> hello, everybody. But I remember um, uh, Kadario, who actually the, photog- the photographer that was taking the photo. Was right, alive. got you. I he just met friend- him there. Yeah, he he was friends with my friend Dana who passed. So okay. me and him have been like broed out. Good. So hard. But I remember him taking your photo, and I was like, did she charge? Yeah. Mm. You know? Not yet. I want to, though, especially depending yeah. on what it is for. But it was crazy because... What I'm saying is, like, words have always mattered to me on the page, right? Mm-hmm. But I'm at a place where I'm like, I want to manifest some shit, so I'm going to claim it. Yeah. Either, like, out there in the world or just to myself regularly. And I remember thinking a few months ago, like, okay, I write, but I do love, like, style and images and, yeah. like, beauty and whatever. So I'm trying to get featured. Like, I'm trying to get in some pictures and get sure, paid for yeah, it. Yeah. And then Madewell. Totally model. 100%. Uh, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm working on it. Yeah. I'm going to work on it. Yeah. <laughs> But Madewell, the, and that's the thing, too. So I quit my job. I started working at Somerset. And I had worked at Somerset in high school at Abercrombie. So nice. it felt like that moment of like, oh, like I'm back again. Like I haven't moved <laughs> at all. I was just slanging tank tops upstairs. Yeah. Now I'm slanging jeans down here. Uh-huh. But, um, yeah, the Madewell team came to Detroit because they opened up some stores. And they emailed like, hey, we're doing this series about like, humans we heart or like ladies we love and we want to feature you awesome. in some of our clothes and have you do and like write something. Awesome. So I'm yeah. like, I can get money for being a face and yeah. get money for writing and like it's a brand that I actually enjoy like their clothes. They make good stuff. Yeah. yeah. So I think I've just had a lot of these moments where I'm a real big strategizer sit down and write shit down but mm-hmm. other times stuff just happens mm-hmm. and it's because the intention is there and the work is there. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I definitely get most of my money from writing now. I kind of, like, that's I great. guess consult would be a thing. Like, mm-hmm. a lot of people that start stuff talk to me about it, awesome. which is great. And then I end up getting involved some kind of way sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, those two things, DJing, I've just started in the last year. So I um, do charge, but I'll be charging more okay, <laughs> once yeah. I learn more things. Well, because you're like, I, I love DJs. I love music. Yeah. I worked in bars for a long time. And I would yeah. just be like, looking at my friends, like, how are you? Like, you're paying attention. Yeah. In the, in the party the setting. in the room. Yeah. And, like, you're manipulating it and bringing it up and then slowing it down yeah. and bringing it up. What kind it's of music a good thing. You love? I don't even know. I, I like stuff that makes me personally feel good, yeah. but that's a range of things. So I think like disco. I really have a thing for like women just like claiming beautiful shit. So like Diana Ross, Aretha ah, Franklin, yeah, 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 definitely yeah. Prince. His birthday is today. Um, and then I like also just having new stuff, like any new stuff where I'm like, oh, this artist is thinking about it. Yeah. Like this music is like great. I'll rush to get that. I'm digital, I'm not vinyl. Sure. Um, and then. I like to just try to play around, like, how slow can I actually go and keep y'all here? Yeah. And I'm still trying to find that balance, but I think I'm... Like, how sexy can we make Yeah, yeah. like, how, where are you really trying to go? But I think I can always get there. In my body, in my mind, I'm always like, oh, but we could, like, oh, you know, like, we can play Usher right now. Like, we can play Confessions (laughs) right now. We don't have to listen to this thing. Yeah. So, I'm definitely trying to find it, but still, like, I think it's because of the, the music era I grew up in, like... Ignorant rap shit, like loud, big, ignorant rap shit still gives me like adrenaline rush and like momentum. And I'm trying to find the line between like, you know, ignorant rap shit that's not misogynistic and crazy. Like, can it just be fun? Can it just be this? Mm -hmm. And that's tough. Yeah. Because we've 
it's lines we memorize that are actually horrible to say. And you're saying them out loud. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. One of the, the, the illest moments, my niece, Brooklyn, she was like, oh, she said, oh, I said, push me to the edge. And she was like, all my friends are dead. Oh, God. She, she was six. I was like, oh, God. Mm-mm. I was Mm-mm. like, man. No. I was like, I am not, I'm not feeling this. But I guess like, because I grew up in the 90s and it was, you know. Yeah. We... We were talking about knocking boots. We knew all. Yeah. I didn't know what any of it meant. Yeah, but it was there. Yeah. And it was yeah. fun. And it was a vibe. So it's yeah. kind of like, I'm always curious, like, as, as a woman, like, how do you choose, how do you choose what you play? I don't play any abusers in my set. Okay. Which sounds easy, but a lot of people, if you dig a little deeper, they are abusers yeah, so and we just don't know them. it yet. Yeah. So it's some party party songs I just can't play because yeah. it wouldn't be cool because there's a woman behind that that's sure. physically hurt, sure, emotionally yeah. hurt from this person. Yeah. Um, so I definitely try to, f- it's, you know, the sound is the sound. The sound is going to compel you to try to get the song and then it's like, okay, but what does this mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so I typically, I started just making playlists nice. like a minute ago and mm. I think that's where I started being like, this is the kind of thing. I want to listen to, and then that grew into, ooh, if I played this, I should play this next, which yeah, then just yeah, yeah. builds that, like, okay, well, you got 50 songs you can play in succession. That's the set right there. Yeah, it is. Um, so, yeah, I think I definitely did go by the event. Like, I'm playing something up in Idlewild in July. Nice. And I think I have a late night set, and it's, like, mostly black people. It's the Black fun. Eden up there. So I'm like, we can just go sexy. We can go fun. We can, like, go there and just go, 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 like, juicy yeah. chocolate stuff, you know? Yeah. Um, and then I did like a Valentine's Day set. So I'm like, okay, love songs. Yes. Mm -hmm. So I think the vibe of the event is definitely a thing, but I'm trying to just build some standard, like party, fun, emotional, like whatever sets and Mm -hmm. just kind of go from there. Oh, that's cool. I'm learning. 